Hey, thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Robert Santiago. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Thank you. Thank you. Now the pressure's on because you did that. So thanks a lot for that. Um, I am honored and blessed to be ministering to you guys tonight. Um, I have been uh, kind of, I was telling Pastor Omar in the back and, and Pastor Rudy that this has probably been my favorite series, monthly theme, I should say, monthly theme um, ever. I just love this whole concept of being at the table and, and uh, it's, it's been easy as a Bible study leader to put something together around that and just to go off of it. I just feel like so many people get really embraced, they feel really embraced by the topic of just being at a table. And um, tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And I have some verses that I want to share with you. And I just kind of want to open up with my first verse is in, oh, before we do that, let me pray. I think that's appropriate, right? Let me pray. If you guys would just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that your spirit would be here. Lord, that you are the priority tonight, Father God. That your spirit would just fill me, Father God, and that you would use me. That you would use me as a vessel to speak your word, Lord. And that your scriptures would penetrate the hearts of everyone in here. In Jesus' name, amen. But in Luke chapter 14, I kind of want to open up with... Just a quick verse. You all probably know this verse. I think it's actually been stated in the series already. But in Luke chapter 14, verse 13, it says, But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Reminds me that God wants everybody at the table. Regardless of circumstance, regardless of financial status, regardless if you're employed or not, If you're married or not, God wants you at the table. It doesn't mean that you have to be prepared before you get to the table. Let me tell you something. This is your invite. The word of of God is your invite to the table. I have come across so many people. um, I've been in the church for a very long time, and I've come across so many people that come through here and say, you know, I just don't feel it anymore. And I'm like, well, your relationship with God shouldn't be based on feelings. It should be based on actions. And when we tell you that you have a seat at the table, that means you need to take a seat. That means you need to take a seat. That means we're, we're, you know, we're pulling the chair out for you, like, go ahead, have a seat. In other words, this is your invitation, Okay. And he wants everybody at the table. And I like to think about the character of God. When I, when I read scripture, I like to pretend I understand God 100%. Okay? And then I'm always like let down. Like, oh, I didn't see him doing that. You know? And, and I, 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 that's what I like to do. I like to figure out God, see if I can kind of guess what he's going to do or what, how he's going to react. Because if I feel if I do that, I'll understand him and it'll, he'll kind of keep me in line. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I, I, I have some stories. I just feel like everybody says, oh, you, what's, you know, I love when you preach because you tell stories. I'm like, well, I also read scripture. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
but, you know, one day I'm going to run out of stories. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? So enjoy them while they last. I moved out here to Southern California. I was born and raised in San Jose, California, but I moved out here to start school. I needed to find a church. I was saved. So I need to get plugged into church. My girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, who's sitting right there, okay? She's the one hopping up and down on stage during worship. Um, we needed to find a church. And so I, I said, you know, let's go, let's go to this church down the street. It's a big church. Okay, I'm not going to say the name of it, but it's a big church, massive church. Okay, and so I, uh, I went to the church, and, we, you know, I went through the membership classes. I even went to, like, at the usher class, you know. That way, you know, I learned things. And uh, I was really trying to get plugged in, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get plugged in. So I'm like, you know what? I'm in college at the time, so I'm like, you know, let me go to the college group. Young adults, I don't know what the name of it at, that, at the time, what it was, but we, you know, we went. And uh, me and Carly went, and we, uh, it, it was interesting. I would go, I wouldn't really get excited about it, but I would go, and I would try to talk to people, and nobody would talk to me. But everybody would talk to Carly. So this posed an, an issue for me. It's like, I'm dating her, you know, like, stay away type of thing. But everybody would talk to her. Nobody would talk to me. And so Sundays, I would, I would, um, I would try to make friends. So I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go, and whoever sat next to me, I'd say, how you doing today? You know, like, try to spark a conversation. And, um, and they, you know, they would say hi. But it was such a big church that I wouldn't see that person for another six months. So that didn't really work out too well. So as we were trying to go to the young adults, you know, Every time, I kid you not, every time I tried to talk to somebody, um, they would just kind of like look at me and be like, yeah, no, you're not cool. You know, and I just wasn't connecting with them. One time, I remember a specific incident. I went to the restroom, right, in the middle of service, and like service had ended. um, And now, like, everybody's kind of chit-chatting, and Carly's talking to like a group of people, so I come up. Like, hey, guys, how's it going? And, you know, as soon as they came up, everybody got quiet, including Carly. (laughs) Like, I totally was a wet blanket to whatever was going on there, you know. Like, I just put out the fire or something, you know. And here I thought, well, maybe I'll go out to eat with somebody, you know, this Sunday, you know. And I I just couldn't get plugged in. And and it it was actually not a good feeling. It was a terrible feeling. I remember saying, like, man, you know, it's kind of hurting me spiritually. I, I need to be around people that, that are, um, you know, that are better than me at Christianity. I need, I need people to help me out. And, and it made me realize, you know, how much uh, it's important to fellowship. Okay? And so when I talk about a table, you know, I, I want you to understand that fellowship's important, but we can't mix up the table with just strictly fellowship and friendship. Because a table, when we're talking about the table, we're talking about you and Jesus. We're talking about two people. And when I say that you're invited to the table, your invite is in your hands if you have a Bible in your hand. That is your invite. And it, as a matter of fact, anytime you open up the word of God, you are sitting at the table with him. He is with you. When you read scripture and you're starting to understand scripture and you're just, you're just trying to get closer to him, if you could read that, if you could read that, you will feel closer to God. You'll feel a connection with God. The Bible actually provides relationship. 
But here's the thing, folks. It doesn't open itself. You have to do something to get to, to open. You have to open it in order to get something from God. Okay, so when we talk about a table, it's not that you just sit down and the Lord just feeds you, feeds you, feeds you, feeds you, and you don't say anything to him. It's more of you sit down and you listen actively. You know that word active listening? You listen actively. You converse with God. You talk to him. So when you're reading your word, you should feel that connection with him. Because you're putting everything else aside, and it's a table where just two are seated. You ever been at, like, a dinner party, or you put a dinner party together? Right? I'm going to tell you what happens today. Hey, let's, let's plan a dinner, honey. You know, you tell your wife, or, you know, I want to have people over for dinner. So the next question is, who are we going to invite? Well, you know, cool people. You know, people that, uh, people that connect with us, right? People that... You know, we like, you know, people that are kind of like us, right? And so you start to look at, okay, well, who's kind of like us? And so you start naming it off. And then there's people that you don't invite. Am I the only one that doesn't invite people? to? Everyone's looking at me like I'm the bad guy. Your house is only so big. You only have so many chairs. You can only afford so much food, Right? But you got to plan a dinner party. But what does the Bible say? I just read it to you that you should invite who? The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Because when you're inviting, you're inviting people to the table, and you're saying, look, come into my home. But it's kind of like a popularity contest sometimes, back in high school, right? Back in high school, I remember all you wanted to do is hang out with the coolest dudes, wear the freshest clothes, and eat at the chillest restaurants. You know, and that's what everybody kind of does today. Thanks to Instagram, everybody's got some new restaurant, and they're hip because they're there. You know? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm at home eating, what was it, catfish nuggets? <laughs> Isaac was telling me about a new, a new dish that's really good for you, and I'm like, I got to try that. But again, it, it's like, you know, again, it's one of those things that, you know, you're kind of just drawn to other, you're kind of drawn to what everybody else is doing. So it does become a popularity contest, you know? But you're at the table. We may get depressed or sad, like someone doesn't want to hang out with us. And that's not true. Everybody wants to hang out with everybody. But, you know, time is kind of an issue, you know? But in reality, we have to spend time with God because he wants to spend time with us. And I think that's a common misconception, or we forget that, that God wants to spend time with you. He actually wants to commune with you. And I want to just kind of go over a few scriptures with you this, uh, this evening um, just to show you a little bit about his character and why I think that is. So I want to read Isaiah chapter 30. is a verse that I'm going to go over a verse that really reminds me how God reacts to us, okay? When you're looking at God's character, how is he reacting in this situation? But in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 19 to 22, it says this, People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So when we say, oh, we gotta rely, you know, hey, you know what, that church... I just don't feel it anymore. It's like, because you're expecting to be seated at the table with everybody that's cool, wearing the freshest clothes, 
chilling at the coolest places. That's not what church is about. It's about you communing with God and you saying, hey, you know what, Lord? I need your help because it says he will be, uh, he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. In other words, he is going to listen to your prayers. He's going to listen to your circumstance, and he's going to react. Because at the end of it, he's going to say, this is the way, walk in it. Now, I always tell people, man, I, I want to hear God's voice. Like, I, I just want it. I want to hear God's voice. That's like my goal. Like, God, I'm still waiting for you, man. Just yell at me or something, you know? You know, I want to hear his voice because in the Bible, we see that all over the word of God. That God, that Jesus is speaking, God is speaking, and they can hear his voice with their ears. How much more should you want that? In other words, when you cry for help, he knows your voice. He knows your voice. That's why he comes running. It's like a parent and a child. Parents, fathers and mothers, you know when your kid's crying. It could be in a group of kids, but you know the sound of your kid's voice. You know the cry. You know the tone, the pitch, right? Those are all important things. God does the same thing with you. Anytime you cry, you cry out to him, he's going to come. And he's going to say, this is the way, walk in it. The other thing this verse tells me is, although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity, adversity is a big thing. It makes you tough. You can overcome any obstacle. The bread of adversity is the word of God. Meaning that, hey, look, when you're, when you're with God and you have the Bible open, it should speak to you about a circumstance. It should strengthen you. It should push you. It should energize you and push you forward. Not take 10 steps back. But what do we do? Sometimes we don't want to take a seat at the table. We don't even want to open the word of God. We rely on other things. We rely on our peers or somebody else to give us the advice when the word of God has all of it there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Hope. God can give you hope. Even in the darkest times when you feel like you can't breathe or you're smothered by a circumstance, you can't sleep at night, it's giving you anxiety, it's controlling your, your mood and you're getting depressed, you know, depressed, and you're struggling with this depression, God will pull you out of that. Amen? So this brings me to my main passage of Scripture, and I want you guys to kind of read along. It's in John chapter 21. It's verses 1 through 14. And it's just a, a scene that I wanted to go over with you this, this evening. And I, I shared it in my Bible study, and somebody told me that that was really good. So I'm going to share it with you. Okay? They said, that was really good. I was like, all right, I got I to make a note of that. Okay? But here, here we go. The, the disciples are out, and they're fishing. This is the setting. It's early in the morning. Right? So we know that. It'll say in the Scripture, it's early in the morning. They're fishing. Okay? Um, and and uh, Jesus, Jesus is kind of, he's there, okay? He kind of appears there, but he had died and resurrected already, all right? So in John chapter 21, verse 1 through 14, it says this. Afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, uh, known as Didymus, Nathaniel from uh, Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon, told, or Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. 
So they went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Okay, so now they didn't catch anything, all right? Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. Notice where he's at. He stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So they see somebody standing on the shore. They don't really know who he is yet. They just kind of see this figure, okay? Then this figure calls out, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. That's a good problem to have. So it's a big bag of fish here, okay? Verse 7, then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So now they recognize them. When did they recognize them? They recognized them as soon as the miracle took place. As soon as Simon Peter, Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. So what does that tell us? Peter was naked. I know, you're probably like, why is he saying that? Because he was. Okay? Now, mind you, he sees Jesus, and Peter's hanging out, you know, like half naked. He sees the Lord, and he says, you know what? i got to hide this shame. I'm about to see the Lord right now, and he sees me like this. Peter was a little convicted there, so he puts his clothes on, jumps out of the water. Then the other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. 100 yards is pretty far. Okay, but 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Oh, wow, how nice is that? Somebody's cooking dinner. So, what, so what's happening here, he, right? He, he sees burning coals there was, with fish on it and some bread. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, Bring some, fish, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So let's stop there for a second. Here's the scene. Jesus is on the shore and says, hey, throw your net on the other side. Meanwhile, he's got this fish. Jesus already has a fish. He's already got the coals. He's already prepared a place. But he still wants them to get their own fish. You guys with me? In other words, Jesus wants them to bring something to the table. Jesus has all the fish he needs. We know that. If you know, your, if you know your gospel, Jesus got all the fish he needs. But he's telling him, throw your net on the right side and bring, bring your fish. He says, he tells them, bring your fish. How much fish does Jesus need? Let me tell you something. Not only does Jesus want, he did not only to prepare a place for you, but he really wants to spend time with you. He's going to prepare a place and he's going to prepare enough fish for you to be there the whole time. Jesus wants to party with you. He just doesn't want to have a quick dinner and leave. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants everything, all your time, dedicated to him. Because he's going to provide all of it. But you have to bring something to the table. They were about 100 yards out. I just pictured them with this, this net of fish. And now they got to haul it in. And they're about 100 yards out. So now they're coming. They're hauling in. Let's continue to read. Verse 11. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with, with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. So not only did he prepare it, he cooked it, 
He helped them get fish. He tells them, bring the fish. He says, you know what? Now I'm going to serve you. So now that I have fish for you, I cook for you. I want you to come to the shore. I want you to come towards me. And I want to spend some time with you. But let me serve you. Let me break bread for you. How much more should we want that relationship? He wants a relationship with you. But sometimes we won't even sit at the table. I've been fishing a couple times, and one of the things in the fishing community is like, catch anything? Right? You see other fishermen. Hey, did you catch anything? And then you walk down the line, you see another boat. Hey, did you catch anything? Right? And all the fishermen are like this right now in the church. They're like this. Right? You know what I'm talking about. You see a guy unloading his boat. Hey, did you catch anything? Everybody wants to know if somebody caught something. Everybody wants to know that. You know, and in reality, that's how we should be. You know, we should say, look, do you catch anything after service? Do you catch anything? When you read your Bible, hey, did you catch anything? What do you got? Did God speak to you in a certain way? Did your life get changed in some way, shape, or form when you read that scripture? What questions came out of your mind after you read that scripture? How has God challenged you in reading, in the series that's being preached from the pulpit? How has God treated you since then? There was a time, I'm going to share this with you. I didn't plan on it. There was a time where I, I, I was going, and I was in this church, but I was, I was going through just like kind of a, just a dark, dry time. And I remember New Year's came around, and I said, you know what, I'm going to sit in the front row for the next month. This is just four services, nothing to brag about. Right? But for, the, for just the next month, man, because I've been dry for too long. I'm tired of this. So I remember, man, I, I, told, uh, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to sit in the front row. So we started sitting in the front row or closer because, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes to get a front row seat. But we sat in the front, you know, in the front area. And this is back in the, I think it was back in the Madison building from what I remember. And, man, did my life start to get filled. Because I wasn't distracted. I wasn't worried about it. I didn't see people walking by. I, didn't, I was up front, man. I was literally focused. I felt like I was at the table. And I remember saying, like, I wonder what pastor is going to read. What verse is he going to read? What verse is he going to read next? How is he going to continue with his point? You know, how is he going you know, to say this? How is he going to say that? And I remember I would just kind of quiz myself during the sermon. What, it, what was the past scripture he used? And I would ask myself, what's the past scripture he used? Why did he use that scripture? So I started kind of asking, why does God want us to understand it this way? Why is it in this chronological order? How come it didn't happen this way first and this way second? There's just a purpose to whatever God does. And when you start to realize that, say, God, you are so fascinating to me. You are so different from me that I want to learn everything about you, including why your scriptures are written the way they are. Because I want to understand why. I want to understand why. See, the disciples, what they did, as they hear the voice from the, from the shore, they said, you know, they're wondering, who is that? They throw their net on the other side. They obeyed the instruction. That's step one. Step one to your relationship and being at the table is to obey instruction. It's not to control you. It's not to tell you you have to do this. You have to be like me. No. I just need you to obey the word of God. Obey instruction. It's called obedience. Obedience. The fall of man. 
When I say the fall of man, I'm talking about original sin. I'm also talking about Adam and Eve. All right? When we talk about the fall of man, what started, what was the first sin that we saw? Disobedience. Disobedience. If there's any disobedience with you in the scriptures, it's going to be difficult to serve God. It's going to be difficult to sit at the table. And the enemy is going to tell you that you don't deserve to sit at the table. And it's all because of the disobedience that we have in our life. Jesus wants to feed you. He wants to fellowship with you. That's why when you open up the word, we call it the bread of adversity. You can overcome anything. If you're rooted in scripture, if you're having a hard time, a prayer and opening up your word can get you through the toughest times of your life. I've been there. I've had tough times in my life. I don't need tattoos or anything to tell you that. Okay? Everybody goes through bad times in their life. Everybody deals with, you know, sick family members, death in the family, whatever it may be. A family member's upset at you. You know, you're not, maybe you're not being a good spouse or you're not doing, everybody struggles. Every single person. And I'm here to tell you that don't let that keep you from the table. You have to be at the table. In other words, they, you have to obey. God wants you at the table. He's telling you, take a seat. And sometimes we tell them, no, not right now. I'm going to go to this table or I'm going to go to that table. That table looks better. They have the freshest clothes. They have the coolest people. It doesn't matter. You sit at the table with the king. And he calls you a king. Think about that. You have the kingdom. I'm going to give you five points really quickly of how to, just basically how to serve Christ effectively. Okay, these are just things I, I kind of came up with. But to serve Christ effectively, number one, you have to trust in him. You have to trust him as your risen Savior and Lord. Not just trust him like, hey, uh, he's going to bring bread to the dinner table. No, you trust him as your Lord and Savior. Then you have to, to serve Christ effectively, you have to realize you're is insufficient and Christ is all sufficient. In other words, you're not perfect. You don't have all the answers, but Christ has all the answers. You need to obey his commands. Number three, obey his commands. Listen to the words and listen to the scriptures and obey them. And then be eager to fellowship with Christ. This is a tough one. That means you walk into church with a smile on your face. That means you leave your house with a smile on your face because you're going to church. Not like, oh, I'm tired. It's like, what are, you, what are you tired? We're just asking you to sit in service. We're not asking you to, you know what I mean? Like, there were times where I was coming to church, man, and I was in ministry. Be like, I'm too tired. I don't even do anything at church. <laughs> come to church, man. If you're tired, come to church. It'll even help you, man. You see people, you, see, you got friends. It's going to re-energize you, man. You know, you see people jumping up here, worship teams going. You're not tired when you're feeling it like, yeah, Lord. Thanks, man. Work was terrible, but this is great. The other thing you got to do to serve Christ effectively is let him minister to you. When people are getting touched up here, don't be like, oh, there's that brother again getting touched. Again. Uh-huh. He's always jumping up and down like he's got everything together. 
You don't need to have everything together to praise God. You don't need to have everything together to praise God. I'm going to tell you a very, uh, it's a very soft story for me. And as the years go by and I tell this story, it gets harder and harder to tell, so just bear with me. I was working at, and I think I told it here before, so if you heard it, I apologize. It's not going to be as entertaining. Okay, I was working at Cisco Systems, and I, I was like, uh, I, was, I, was learning, I was troubleshooting um, routers and networks and stuff. Um, and so I, I, would, I, I started working for the office of the president of the company. And so I had this phone that was on me all the time. I mean, just all the time. And every time it rang, I had to answer it. So one time, you know, I, I get a phone call, and this guy's just mad. He's mad. He's calling the president of the company. And my job is just to get him out of here. That's what I said. Your job is to get him out of here. I don't care what it is. Don't let him call the president ever again. So I'm like, oh, okay. What can I do? And they gave me all this power. It was kind of nice. I can give money away, too. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, so I remember this guy called, and he was just so mad. And uh, he was upset. His network was down, and, you know, he wants to, you know, the people overseas, they can't get it done, and I need someone to, I need, I need some help. So I walked him through it. It was about a two-hour call, troubleshot everything. I got it fixed. And it, it, um, towards, it, towards the middle of the call, though, I could see that his stress level went down. He, he immediately started to, you know, get really calm. And we started talking about other things, you know, while we're waiting things to load or progress bars or whatnot. So we would just talk. And, you know, how the weather, you know, where do you live at, you know. Turns out he lived in Barstow. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that place you go to Vegas, right? And I go, yeah, that's that McDonald's that looks like a subway or whatever. Train, thank you. You know, we're just, and so, and so he's like, he goes, he goes, yeah, where do you live? I told him, well, I live, I live in, uh, in Long Beach. And he goes, oh, you don't live far from here. I go, no, I guess I don't. And he goes, yeah, he goes. Um, and as, as we're getting close to the call, you know, we, would, we was just a lot of small talk. And I, all of a sudden, he just asked me a question. It was one question that just ripped me apart. And he goes, hey, Robert, do, uh, do, we, do we share a Savior? And I remember just kind of like, I was kind of in shock at the question, right? Because I'm like, I had to go from this technical mindset down to this very personal question. So I had answered him. I said, if you're talking about Jesus Christ, you're absolutely right. We serve the same Savior. And he goes, I like you. <laughs> I go, well, you have my phone number, uh, and you can call me anytime. Um, and he goes, no, 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 it's not going to be enough. He goes, I want you to come over, and I want you to bring your family. And I want you to come over, and I want to cook for you. I know how to barbecue. He goes, but listen, you have to come over in the next three months, because I got cancer. Sorry. It was tough because I was really starting to get into ministry, and I never went. But I'll never forget what he told me because it, it just hit me. And 
I never thought that that story would be so powerful because all he wanted to do was be seated at the table with me. But I figured I'd use that story so it wouldn't be done in vain. And I hope it, thank you so much. And I hope it, uh, it touches you. Because who knows what I would have gotten. I probably would have got a word that day. I think about what Jesus wanted to tell me through him. What the Spirit wanted to do to me in those moments that I'd probably be, be hanging out with him. You can't take the table for granted. Anytime the scripture's being preached, just listen. Even if it's a guy on the corner in Paramount and Alondra. He speaks Spanish. The other day I was at the corner. I don't speak Spanish. But he screams at everybody in Spanish. And I'm like, what is he saying, man? I wish I knew Spanish. I kid you not. I heard like 15 words that I never knew I thought I knew in Spanish. And he was talking about, I was able to interpret that he was talking about um, he was talking about the, uh, the scripture of David and Goliath. Because, you know, he's, he's, on a, he's on a megaphone, man. So he's just trying to get people's attention. And so, you know, that story is really cool. So people actually stop and listen to it. But I was able to interpret that. And it's like, man, every time someone's preaching, just be quiet. Turn off your cell phone. Someone reading the word of God, turn off your cell phone, man. Just shut it off. There's so much distraction in the world, you know, you'll be like me, you'll be wondering when God is going to speak to you, when I probably miss the opportunity in Barstow. But if I can have the worship team come up. See, everything we chase in life is something God can provide ten times over. Whether it be joy, whether it be uh, money, whatever it may be, sometimes we... We, man, we, we try to get out of stress. We try to come out of hardship, sickness, poverty, depression, whatever it may be, God can give you so much more joy 10 times over. But we always try to say, you know what, I just need to pay this bill. I just need to work a little harder. I need this promotion. And we think that's going to solve all our problems. Some of the richest people in the world still deal with depression, poverty, sickness. And when I talk about poverty, even though they're rich, they're hard. They're, they're impoverished in their heart. Stress doesn't go away. Money doesn't cure any of that. But God cures all. All these are in the Bible. It talks about curing that. And when you sit at the table, you have to, be, you have to realize that God is trying to do something to you. He's not just trying to have another conversation or he's not just trying to get his through his nine to five or you know, just get through his Sunday or anything like that. He's actually trying to change you. He's trying to rotate your heart, cleanse it a little bit. He's trying to untwist your nature. He's trying to straighten you out. So I think sometimes we forget that, that when we come to church, that it's it's an opportunity for God to minister to you. When you open your, your word, it's an opportunity for God to minister to you. And all our problems can be deleted like that if we could just listen to him. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.